In the name of the true and living God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated, won't you? Well, again, good morning to you all. What a wonderful day to be gathered in this beautiful place. It's a great privilege for me to be your supply priest today. Uh, Your wonderful pastor, Tom, called me and said, I'm off to Hawaii. And I said, well, that's too bad. (laughs) Would you like to supply? And I said, sure, I'd be honored to. And I really, really am. I, I have great admiration for Tom and for the great job that he's doing with this wonderful congregation. So you're blessed to have him. And I know you really are really reaping many things from his ministry. Well, As you heard, my name is Father Rob Lord. I mean, you can't go wrong with that last name. So uh, as you hear me preach today, you can go home and say, we heard the word of the Lord. And and Tom will be happy about that. So anyway, well, I hailed uh, just a little bit from here. I was rector, my last parish was rector of All Saints in Winter Park, and I retired about a year ago. And uh, what I'm saying to people these days is I didn't retire. I just got a new set of tires. And uh, so it's a privilege to be able to be back in the pulpit. Sarah Condon, a wonderful priest, told a story that goes around in the Diocese of Mississippi. It's kind of a legend, and it has to do with an Easter sermon that was preached many years ago. And apparently, the rector of this parish worked hard on his Easter sermon, as all clergy do, and he got up into the pulpit and he looked out at the congregation and he said these words, Happy Easter. It's all true. Amen. And then he sat down. Now, you can only get away with one sermon like that. But the point being is this. It is all true. But at the same time, To grow in our confidence that it is true takes a little while. It takes a little bit of a journey to have God confidence in the fact that Jesus Christ is alive, that he's risen from the dead. And of course, that's why the church places this gospel, the story of the resurrection appearance to the disciples and particularly to Thomas, to help us understand that we all have doubts from time to time. Seasons, perhaps, of doubts. And doubts can be a servant of faith, but doubt is a terrible master. You don't want to stay there. And that's why Jesus comes to us. And this is the first part of the story which I think has such significance to me. And that's because Jesus comes to us where we are, not where we pretend to be. He wants us to know that he's there and he's willing to help us move into a greater God-confidence That he's alive. The resurrection isn't ultimately up to us. But rather, it's the reality of his presence that Jesus wants to reveal to you and to me. And I find that to be tremendously helpful. All of us want, I think, like Thomas, to have physical evidence. But there's more than physical evidence for the resurrection. You know, I think faith has a public relations problem in our culture today. Uh, We live in a a society and a culture that immediately assigns faith as something that is apart from knowledge. In other words, oh, yeah, you can believe that, but it has nothing to do with real knowledge. 
But what I'm trying to help us understand today is that faith has to be environed in knowledge and that it is possible to know Jesus is risen. You've probably heard of Bill Mayer, uh, host of Real Time. I, I don't watch that that much because I kind of find him a little difficult. Um, but he recently claimed that Christians, along with all religious people, suffer from a neurological disorder that stops people from thinking. So I think that we really need to dig into this passage because of what it teaches us. So the first thing is this. The disciples are there on the day of the resurrection. They're locked behind the doors because of fear. And all of a sudden, Jesus appears to them. And you would think, you would think that he might say a few things to them, like, okay, where were you? You know, why did you, why did you cut and run? What, what's going on here? No, he enters into that space of fear and says, shalom, flourishing peace to you. It's me. There was only one person missing, however, and that was Thomas. We don't know why he was missing, but they ran to Thomas after this and said, we have seen the Lord. And Thomas, I think, out of great intellectual, emotional, and maybe even social pain of being excluded from that experience with the rest of his brothers, said those amazing words, unless I see the nail prints in his hands and I touch the side wound, I will never believe. Now that is a place of profound doubt and being closed-minded about the resurrection. And yet, isn't it amazing how Jesus moves towards Thomas later, a week later, gives him a little time to work it out. And they're gathered again, and this time, Thomas is there. Oh, I love that. Maybe they reached out to Thomas. Maybe they said, we want you to be a part of us. Don't feel like you're isolated or excluded from this. And so Thomas is there, and immediately Jesus says, Thomas, I understand. Let me give you what you need. Touch my hands. Touch my side. Stop doubting. Be believing. Have faith. Now, I think that at times the word faith, just like many words in our theological uh, vocabulary, needs to be updated in a way that helps us understand. And so I like the word confidence. Jesus is saying, you can have God confidence. You can have confidence. You can place your full weight upon this. You can trust this. So he's telling Thomas, be confident. Place your trust in me. And boy, does Thomas do that, right? He says, my Lord and my God. That's the highest affirmation of who Jesus is in the New Testament. Why did that happen? It happened. Because Jesus meets us where we really are, not where we're pretending to be. I've had times in my ministry journey over 38 years as a priest and rector in four parishes where my faith has been tested, where I've had some doubts come along my way, and that's usually been when there's been tragedy. I remember when I was rector of a parish in Greeley, Colorado, and there was a wonderful family called the Schooley family, and they had five kids. 
And the mother was getting up to go to work and she got in her car, headed out to work and in that brilliant Colorado sun, she turned onto the highway and the sun blinded her and she was hit head on by a car and died. And her husband, Greg, called me up and said, I can't do it, Rob, you're gonna have to tell the children. How do you tell five children, right, that their mother has died? And I got through that and I was so angry at God. Why? Well, there's no answer to that question. My point in telling that story is that while I had to grow through that experience, it didn't shake me ultimately. Why? Because Jesus loves me, cares for me, and revealed himself to me. And so I want to say to you, no matter what you go through, no matter what difficulties, whether they're intellectual, emotional, spiritual that you have, Jesus wants to meet you where you are. And he brings a promise. This promise is this. This is the promise that Jesus made. He said, Thomas, you have believed because you've seen me. But blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. Blessed is the word which means flourishing, wholeness, life, hope, meaning, significance, blessedness, shalom, flourishing to those that believe, that place their confidence in me even without seeing. See, that's the promise. And we can trust that promise. One of my favorite saints of old is St. Columba of Iona, Scotland. And I've had a long love affair with this saint. He has a deep and profound meaning to me. And this is why, because he had founded a monastery in Ireland. He got in some trouble over a manuscript of the Gospels. And there was bloodshed and he was banished from Ireland. And he got into a little coracle boat, a leather boat, and he just launched out onto the sea. And his prayer was this. I'm seeking the place of my resurrection. In other words, I'm seeking the place where God will restore me and heal me and bring me to a new confidence in his presence with me and for me. And he ended up on this little island in the Western Hebrides of Scotland. I want to recommend it to you. Go to Iona. But it's because of that promise. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. In other words, it's the real thing. It's the real thing. You know, hearing about somebody else's resurrection stories is one thing. And that's good. But we should have our own experience. There should be no replacement, no filters for the real thing. The promise is there for us. Jesus comes to meet us in the midst of our difficulties, helping us to grow in God confidence in his resurrection. And then finally, I want to share out of the story is that eternity is in session. Eternity is is in session. Listen to this. The end of this gospel, the purpose of this book, the purpose of the gospel. Now, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, 
But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have what? Life in his name. And what he's speaking about there is eternal life. What is eternal life? Well, it's certainly qualitatively different from anything we've ever known. It's a new kind and species of life that is ours in Christ, and we can enter into it now. Eternity is in session. You don't have to wait to get to heaven to know the reality of this life. Jesus defined it this way. In fact, this is the only definition in the entire New Testament about eternal life. Jesus put it this way with great precision. This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Eternal life is knowledge. Get that? It's interactive relationship. It's immediate experience. The availability of that life. That's what Jesus is speaking about. Eternity is in session. Life in God's presence and power is available to us here and now. And we will want to be moving ever towards it. And so we can grow in confidence in the resurrection. Because we can taste it and experience it now. Salvation isn't about getting into heaven. It's about getting heaven into us. Let me close with a story. It's a story about the Reverend Michael Green, an English priest, evangelist, who I had the privilege of meeting and hearing several times. And when he was serving at St. Aldate's Church in Oxford, England, not a shabby place to serve, he made several efforts to reach out to the students and the faculty that were there. And on one such occasion, he had a following conversation with a woman who was on the faculty teaching theology. In other words, teaching students about God. So this is the story. As the evening wore on, This woman who teaches on the theological faculty got a little tipsy. And she she leaned over to Michael Green and said, you know, don't you, that I don't believe that any of this is true. The Reverend Michael Green, a true pastor, leaned over and said, I know. But don't you wish it were true? What we see and what we hear in the gospel is that God will stop at nothing to help us gain a deeper confidence and know, yes, it is all true. Amen.